welcome to Hair the Werewolf. We are a horror podcast where we tell stories, have some drinks, and try to deal with our work week hangover. You know, if you work. I'm your host, Chase, and I'm here with my co-host, Lily. Hey, guys. And we hope you are ready for a bunch of good stories. And it's a special episode because it's a drinking game episode. Woo! Yeah, we're bringing the wheel back. So if you guys aren't, you know, driving to work right now and you're ready to have a good time, please, by all means, drink along with us. We've got our rules and we will have those should be posted on our social media if you don't know what they are. But we also have the wheel dun, dun, where dun. for Lily's story, we have Lily's wheel that I spin. And if I land on a specific thing that's within her story, I have to drink. And then we've got a wheel for me as well. Hold on. You got to tell them the names of the wheels. You got to remind them. Yeah, I got to tell you about the the wheels. So Lily's wheel, because she does, uh, she tends to do ghost stories, possessions, supernatural, earthly realm stuff. It's called We Just Gonna Spin This Wheel. <laughs> and then mine, because I tend to focus on either aliens or weird tropical hauntings, is called Take a Spin on a UFO. So, uh, love it. Is there anything, any news that's come up that we should talk about? No, I think we've been pretty boring this week, actually. Um, well, we've been we've been doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. Just I don't know if it's horror related, but right now uh, in New Mexico, we got elevated to turquoise status, which means our movie theaters have finally opened up at limited capacity for sure. That's right. But that's perfect because we've got scary movies coming up soon. Uh, Conjuring Three is yep. in. I think it's in June, early June is I when Conjuring Three comes out. F- Fifth or something like that. And for those of you that don't know, the first Conjuring, one of my favorite horror films of all time. I absolutely hated the second one, but I'm still hopeful that the third one's <laughs> going to bring it back. Um, and then the whole entire like universe of the Conjuring. I think that's what you refer to as like the Annabelle and everything. Yeah, it's um, got some got like pretty decent uh, moments in movies, but I don't uh, think anything ever rose to what the first movie was. No, so it had, there's a couple Annabelle movies, mm-hmm. two, I think, maybe three. And then uh, The Nun was supposed to be part of nun. it, right? Yeah, yeah. The Nun, because, so Annabelle was introduced in the first one, right? and then The Nun was introduced in the second one. They were talking about making, like, a Crooked Man spinoff, who was also introduced in the mm-hmm. second one, and then we also have La Llorona, which is a spinoff as well, and that's only, and it's not because they mention him in The Conjuring, it's because that one preacher it's the exact same character who was in, I think, the second one or the first one. He reprises his role in La Llorona, so he's like the same guy. So it's supposed to be in the same Damn, universe. Damn, I didn't that's even realize it. that. Yeah. I, I need to start. Wa- I need to watch. I think I'm just gonna rewatch the whole thing before I watch the new Conjuring. Yeah, I don't we'll know. Do it together. We'll I don't do know. I just feel like it's so intertwined. Not like quite like the Marvel movies or anything like that, but it's in the same universe. And it, what the hell? I'm just gonna watch more horror movies. We almost had a Marvel type thing with horror movies because they were trying to do the Universal Marvel movie universe when they were gonna relaunch the new Mummy with Tom Cruise in it, and they were oh, gonna yeah. make a new Dracula and a new. Uh, Wolfman, and they were all supposed to be connected like that, but the mummy bombed, so they kind of abandoned that. Yeah, I heard it was terrible. I never watched it. Well, you can't, I mean, as much as I love the original Boris Karloff mummy, which is a phenomenal movie, to me, the definitive mummy was the one with the, in the <laughs> with 90s Brendan with Brendan Fraser. Well, I mean, it's just a great, fun movie. It's I love probably that movie. my favorite movie of all time because yeah. I can watch it if I'm happy or sad, if I'm sick, good, drunk, sober, tired. <laughs> I can watch it whoever I'm around and everything. We showed it to our niece, Olivia. Shout out to Olivia. And she loved it too because, I mean, 
who doesn't? It's yeah. just a great movie. Yeah, it's it's amazing. But anyway, since everything's opening up, we got movies coming up. Uh, it's going to be really exciting to start seeing these in theaters. And we also have that new Zack Snyder zombie movie that's coming out oh, on Netflix yeah. any day now Pretty with excited about Dave that. Bautista. Mm-hmm. Bautista. I, I, I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Um, real excited about that. So movies are a coming. <laughs> but before before we you know waste any more of your time, I think we should get into the drinking game. So that means I need to spin the wheel. Yes, that's right. So that way you can see if it lands on any of the topics I'll be talking about today. And yeah. we try to make them broad enough because we do like drinking. And we're drinking out of our aliens-themed shot glasses <laughs> that look like the eggs from the Ridley Scott movie. So it's not gross at all. Yeah, they're actually really hard to drink out of. They look cool, but God, is it hard to drink yeah, out of. Yeah, and they're more than a shot. I mean, I I think my <laughs> mouth has now measured. Oh, please, No. no. <laughs> I can't drink that. It's more than a shot. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, so here I'm spinning the wheel, and we landed on Haunted Building. Ooh, okay. That's a tough one. Um, I'm going to say, shoot. So it doesn't necessarily mean that a haunting has occurred in a building, but it has to be like the idea that if I were to go to the building, I'd be worried a haunting would happen. Okay, then I'm going to say yes. All right. I'm Time for me to take a shot. Yeah, that is your punishment for guessing correctly or like spinning correctly. Gotta take a shot of this Jenny Gin Gin. <laughs> so by the way, if you can't tell, I'm drinking gin, which is um, my flavor of choice. Yeah. No rum today, unfortunately. Well, she's had so many days of rum, it was time that we uh, (laughs) made this an equal opportunity drinking Mm -hmm. podcast. Mm -hmm. So, uh, cheers. Cheers. Ding. All right, so tell me about this haunted house that just made me drink. Okay, so my story for today, it's called the Tatum Poltergeist. Like Channing Tatum? I think so, yeah. I'm sure that's how he spells it, too. T-A-T-U-M. So the story starts with James and Catherine Tatum, uh, Jim and Kay for short, which is how I'm going to refer to them. Why does that sound familiar? Catherine Tatum. Oh, maybe I'm thinking Catherine Tate, the actress who was in the office in Doctor Who. Okay, never mind. Keep going. <laughs> Sorry, that was that was random. Yeah. Uh, so they had some strange encounters with ghosts and other poltergeist activities back in 1986. So I'm going to give a little bit of background first. The couple had retired and moved into their new home, uh, a new two-story home near Atlanta, Georgia. A few sources said that it was Marietta, Georgia, which is just north of Atlanta. And before they retired, Jim was a an officer or an army officer and Kay was an accountant. So I saw some interviews with them and you can tell they're kind of like a no-nonsense kind of couple. Um, before any of this ever happened to them, they were really adamant that ghosts and other paranormal entities didn't exist. Okay, so that's an important thing. Mm-hmm. Because, like, if no one knows if they were into it is one thing, but if they're like, this shit doesn't happen, and then they change their mind, that makes me a lot more interested in I, their story. I completely agree. So, like I said, they don't believe in ghosts. Uh... And I personally thought that their approach was pretty reasonable whenever they had an encounter. Like, at no point did I have one of those moments. Because, you know, when you hear certain stories of people and their encounters, they're like, you're not like, why would you react that way? Sure. Or, or like in a horror movie, why did you run up the stairs? Just like that joke. And at no point, I don't think they ever did anything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> don't go up those stairs. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> exactly. All right. Before we continue, remind me where this is specifically taking place. Atlanta, Georgia. 
So, okay, we can't drink for that because... Uh, we have not been there. We, well, we both landed there in the airport, but we don't count that. We have to have not been in the airport. I think everyone has landed in like, Georgia. <laughs> we, we, it requires us to either have left the car if we're driving through it or right. be out of the airport. So, no, we can't yeah, drink for that. Yeah, and very specifically, like I said, it's in uh, Marietta. So, it's like a, a suburb north of that. But it's in the, in the region. Uh, anyway... Uh, like I was saying, where was I? Oh, lost your place. Take a drink. No, <laughs> this is. We just started. I'm refreshing myself on all the rules, which is gonna realize how many. Things I haven't we're even reread them, on. but I can tell that you're on it. So well, and it's your good. job to be watching them while I'm telling my story. I will. I will. Okay. Well, here we go. I'm just gonna straight up go into the hauntings. Oh, that's that's the <laughs> best way to do it. I already we're gave you some We're here for the background. stories. Exactly. So. Uh, full disclosure, though, most of the information I gathered was from Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> oh, my God. It was made into a TV show. Take a drink. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And uh, the Tatum episode aired in October 1988. And if I remember correctly, it was a Halloween episode special. And it's considered to be one of the scarier episodes oh, to nice. ever air. Yeah. I bet it did it have mullets since 1988. Oh, man. That would have no, scared me, too. But there was a perm. <laughs> there was a perm. <laughs> uh, Fear the perm. All right. Yeah. Keep going. All right. So, uh, like I said, they had just moved into their new home because they were retiring. And it wasn't until, well, everything was fine for like the first five months. So, that's already a good sign for me, too, for wanting to believe it because. If it goes five months, then why would they just change their opinion all of a sudden? Like, if someone's, like, super paranoid about a haunted house, they might start imagining things right away. But five oh, months right. is a long time. This no. is already another great thing going for the story. And truly, they were just continuing with their lives. Like, they were just retired. They are like, this is it. We're, we're going to have a good old time relaxing. And then five months later, <laughs> uh, in January 1986, Kay was having a restless night and couldn't fall asleep. She finally got up around 2.30 a.m. and went to the bathroom. Uh, Kay said that as soon as she went into the bathroom, she immediately had a strange feeling that someone was following her. Moments after entering the bathroom, she saw a figure of a man walk by. Since it was really dark, she couldn't make out any distinct features, Hmm. except the person was swinging their arms lightly and their head was bent slightly. Okay, that's creepy. Ew. Like... Just seeing someone, I'm like, okay, maybe you have, like, a home invasion. But, like, if she saw enough that it's weird shit, because no one invades a home doing that unless it's, like, some, like, drugged out crack Psycho. guy or something. Right. Gotcha. Ooh, that's yeah. creepy. Well, she thought it was her husband. <laughs> being, <laughs> being fucking weird. Just a weirdo, I guess. And so she called out to him, like, uh, Jim, you know, and... But there was no response. Then Kay uh, started following the figure, and she saw that it was heading towards the staircase. And at this point, Kay was like, Jim, can you hear me? And no, nothing. There was no reaction. Mm. The figure continued to go on its way. So at this point, she was like, whatever. I guess Jim didn't hear me. And so she went back to the bedroom to try to get some sleep. When she entered the room, she saw Jim was sound asleep in his bed. Instantly, Kay panicked (laughs) and woke up her husband 
Uh, and she tells them that she just saw someone in the house. Maybe it was a burglar. She has no idea. And her husband, obviously believing her, got up, got his gun, and started searching the property. Um, or, like, the house. He checked every room. He checked windows. He checked doors. Okay. And nothing was out of place. And nothing suggested that anyone else was in the house. So the fact that he got a gun... Now, all of a sudden, I'm believing it. Because at first, I was like, you know, what spouse doesn't know how to fake sleeping? <laughs> you know, what against, do you like, mean? A hus- like oh. what husband wife doesn't know how to just be like, you know, I'm tired. I was like, I can kind of hear him, but I'm trying to go to bed, so I'm just going to be quiet or something. Like, I'm like, maybe he's just faking it because he doesn't want to deal with his wife or something. But if you... <laughs> what? Or he was doing it as a joke. And he- I'm sorry. It's just so stupid. Or he was like a joke to him. He's like, oh, I was just trying to freak her out or whatnot. But if he wakes up and he's like, all right, I'm going to get my gun and walk around, like, that's commitment to a lie, which I don't believe people do, so... Only you would think of something like that. If hey, I my was- brain goes wild. <laughs> I, I, even though I believe that most people are inherently good... Or, like, I do believe not that crazy. We, I do believe we have a tendency to take lies too far. Yeah, I But suppose. not that far. <laughs> not grab your gun far. Not grab your gun far. All right, well, he did, and like I said nothing was weird and i don't know what jim was thinking but Kay was definitely scared at this moment um so eventually both uh both jim and Kay decided to go back to sleep but like i said Kay was the one who experienced this strange thing and so she couldn't go back to sleep <laughs> and he slept like a baby oh i'm sure he did and he's like oh maybe she saw a shadow or something is really what he thought but anyway she thought about this over and over again trying to replay it like who could have been like you know, trying to rationalize it. And I think that's what I really liked about this um, story, kind of, because at no point were they, like, fucking ghosts, you know, or anything like that. They were more, there has to be some explanation. Like, I'm not going to stop thinking about this logically because there's no way it could be anything else. It had to have been a person, blah, blah, blah. So she does, she does think about it a lot. And she comes to the realization that when she saw this figure, she remembers that it was very, very quiet which would be very weird in the middle of the night, the house is silent. And if someone walked by, there's no way you're not going to hear anything. Hmm. So she kind of started thinking what's going on. Um, And from what I understand, this was their first paranormal encounter uh, that they experienced in the house. And so neither of them knew what to do with it. So they just kind of brushed it off, which I think is pretty Pretty rational, I think. If you for a if singular you, incident, yeah, for a singular incident, and you've never believed in it, like it's not something you even mm-hmm. thought in your head could uh-huh. exist. When you're a true non-believer, you don't even entertain it. You're just kind of like, I don't even yeah. think about it. You know, no, absolutely. well, and especially considering that, like, when they investigated, like nothing was missing or disturbed. Like, no one got hurt. It was kind of like a. There was no reason not to think. Oh, maybe she was just really tired and saw something. There was no evidence right. that something happened. I would do the exact same thing. Yeah. I think I would, well, since I am kind of a believer, I'd be like fucking ghost. But at the same <laughs> Leading time. Leading to a midnight <laughs> fight between us. It was a ghost. You're just tired. I want to sleep. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Possibly. Um, so on to the next encounter. One afternoon, Jim was on the second floor of their house doing some repairs on a ladder hmm. that pulled down from the attic. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, one of the tools that he was using was this really old power tool. And because it was really old, he never wanted to leave it plugged in when he wasn't around. 
Get a new <laughs> so, power so tool, ghetto. bro. Get a new power tool. I mean, both of those things are already sketchy. Not only does he have a drill he doesn't only plugged in, but there is nothing comforting about the statement, I was fixing the ladder. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because a ladder is not something you commonly think I need to fix because that's supposed to be a safety thing to help you fix it other have, things. It should have come safe already. Yeah, like. I mean, that, that's just like, so I was having to like make the band-aids you're like wait a minute so um so this whole story is already so just really bad tape. he sounds he sounds a little bit like my dad he's like so i've got a drill you just don't leave it plugged in unattended for more than 30 seconds yeah. but it's fine <laughs> and wear gloves because it gets hot <laughs> <laughs> anyway um so he uh so yeah he's fixing the staircase <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> You're so laughing. Oh my god. Wear gloves because it gets hot. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's the worst drill of all time. Okay. Sorry. Keep going, please. Okay. Sorry. Um, okay. Yes. Uh, power tools don't leave unattended. So, anyway, like I said, he was working on it. And at some point, Kay's like, hey, dinner's ready. So he promptly unplugs the drill, mm-hmm. goes downstairs, eats some dinner. And afterwards, uh, he decides that he's just going to watch TV for the rest of the night. And then Kay says, oh, I'm just going to go upstairs and read in the bedroom. Sure. So she does. After about an hour or so, Kay says that she started hearing the drill go on, on and off again. But kind Mm. of like in weird spurts. You know what I mean? And so she's like in the bedroom trying to like relax. And all she hears is this damn drill going off again and again. At first, she's like, oh, my gosh, is he making fun of me because of the whole ghost situation? Because I think she brought up initially that it could have been a ghost um, at that point. And so she's like, Jim, stop. And so she gets up from her bed and turns the corner and sees that not only is Jim not there, but the drill is still on the ground and unplugged. Oh. So she goes over to it. And this is smart because I, I would not have thought of this. But she goes over to the drill, puts her hand on it to see if it's hot or not, like it had just recently been used. And it turns out it was cold. And mm. uh, yeah, and apparently this drill would have would have had some sort of heat to it <laughs> if it was had been used recently. Yeah. Um, and I think any drill, right? Like the tip would get hot, I think. So so yeah, the drill bit, if it's actually yeah. made in contact, the friction is going to make it hot. But, you know, I would argue because I when I grew up, I was using my dad's electric drill that just plugs straight in. You know, this is before where they had like lithium or nickel batteries. Even if it had been running for like an hour of on and off work outside of the drill bit, the drill itself would never be hot. So if, if uh, that okay. drill was supposed to get hot, like if that was like the known thing, they really needed to get a new drill. Well, I mean, he's unplugging it before he leaves the room. So it, it anyway. And she said when that happened, she had no idea what to think of it because now it's no longer, you know, like how a ghost would maybe appear itself. She's like an entity that's terrifying already in its own. But now it's making sounds, replicating things. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you do with that information? I mean, they're not idiots. You can, When you hear something, you hear something. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you and me, we both have times where we think we hear something, but you can tell sometimes, if, especially if you're dozing off, you can even question yourself, oh, was that just like a weird dream image mm-hmm. that I heard? I mean, it's not an image, but like, you know that feeling when you can even question, I don't know if I heard something or if it was just because I was dozing off. And then there's times you're like, I heard something. Yeah. So And something so distinct and loud, like a drill, there's no question. Absolutely. So, <clears throat> um, 
At this point, Jim was getting concerned for Kay. Uh, he said that he always knew that Kay was very level-headed, mm-hmm. and um, he was trying to make sense of the situation himself. Um, so he said in the interview that he did believe her, but he didn't understand how it was possible. So I can only imagine how his situation probably felt. Yeah. Um, that's got to be, you know, torn. I hope, you know, if I started thinking these things were occurring, I can th- I can see how maybe you think I'm going crazy or not, like if you really didn't believe in it. Well, I think you'd have to give other signs of being crazy. Like if I wake up right. and you're like using a toothbrush to like, I don't know, clean a plant, then maybe I'll be like, <laughs> I think she's losing it. Sure. But otherwise, yeah, I'd believe you. Oh, see, now I got to do this to just mess with you. <laughs> I'm going to screw with him so bad. <laughs> uh, but it wasn't until Jim finally had his own personal paranormal encounter. Boom. In, in February. <laughs> so this would have been a month after the first incident. Okay. Uh, yeah, he always got up early in the morning, hours before Kay, and he'd go downstairs to the living room and read his paper. In the past, after Kay would wake up, she would try calling out to Jim from down, uh, from upstairs whenever she needed his help, but he could never hear her. Uh, I guess he was kind of hard of hearing, is my guess. She needed help? I don't know. They were. I think at this point, like I said, they were retired. I think maybe she needed some assistance sometimes. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. All right, cool, um, cool. Anyway, so he wouldn't hear her. So he told her, I think they both they both came up with like, just ring a bell because I'll be able to hear that better. Oh, than... uh, yeah. Pre-cell phone days, right? Oh, yeah. For sure. Uh, 1986. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, I know. But I mean, like, I guess you got to figure out your methods in oh, the yeah. pre-cell phone days. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, so they had a bell that they just kept in the guest room whenever she needed like help for whatever reason it's cool smart smart. um anyway so one morning he heard the bell and so he goes up there to check out what she needs and when he enters the bedroom he realizes that Kay is still asleep and he's like yeah he's like well that's kind of weird so he immediately goes into the guest bedroom knowing where the bell actually is and sees that it's sitting exactly where it normally is the entire time um, you know, like making sure it didn't fall or something, because that that would make sense why it of would course. why it would make the noise. Well, <sighs> this happened two more times on separate occasions. Ah. And Jim was fed up. And they don't have a pet. That's the only thing I would. No, think of. no, they didn't. It didn't seem like they had any. Yeah. No one else. That would have been mentioned. I, I'm pretty sure, but yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, that's getting creepy. Um. So again, he would examine the bell every single time. Mm. Nothing was out of the ordinary. Mm. And like I said, he was really upset, so he came up with a code between them, between the two. He said, I'm only going to come up and help you if the bell rings three times in a row. Oh. So, um, yeah, so sure enough. Uh, why, why do I feel this is coming? The next time it happened, the bell rung three times in a row. Shit, so we're talking about an intelligent ghost that's Very, paying attention. Yep, because when he went upstairs, Kate was still asleep. And she didn't hear anything. <laughs> or she's getting mischievous in her old whippersnapper Man, days. Man, she must be fast because he said that he would bolt up there, like, <laughs> trying to catch. <laughs> what else am I supposed to do? I don't have a job. I'm going to fuck with my husband. Was like, yeah. Oh, I said fuck. Drink. Oh, oh, man. I think I said that already, like, 500 times. I'll drink. I'll have a big gulp. By the way, if you hear the jingles, that's just ice. I promise. And I'm sorry. Yeah. What else would it be? Well, I I don't have like my your little, fancy sequence dress. Yeah, I don't have my little uh, what do you call those things with the bells on it that people shake in musicians. A tambourine. Yeah, I don't have a tambourine. 
They might assume <laughs> they might assume I have one. That's totally what I thought. For celebrating drinking game. I just want to know it's ice for my drinks, not tambourine to celebrate drinking game. Perfect. Now I have to go tambourine. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yes, like I said, what the hell is happening? Now, when I was watching this on Unsolved Mysteries, I got kind of sad because when he was telling this part of the story, he got really emotional. Mm. Um, he and Kay were sitting on a couch, and when he got to that last part saying that, you know, he heard it the three times, he was he was still talking, and then he says that after it rung three times and it wasn't Kay, he was about to leave the room, and as soon as he turned the corner, it rang three times again behind him. So, like, immediately when he turned away right? yeah and at that point during the interview he kind of stood up and he was like getting really just choked up i don't know if Aww. you really see it it's really sad and then um he finally went on to say that he finally understood how Kay must have felt just incredibly frightened because he could feel the hair stand behind in the back of his head or like neck or whatever and i think the reason why he was getting emotional is because it was the first time he's like i couldn't rationalize it anymore i couldn't deny it and he felt really sad for his wife because she right because she was the one who was already experiencing some things and um and then he told Kay that he wouldn't be answering the bell anymore and the bell never rang again so it knew it wouldn't matter and then oh and then during the interview that's when jim kind of leaned over to Kay, and then she gave him a hug and she's like I've never seen you behave this way. Like, it was just such an endearing moment. And I think that's why mm-hmm. I really believe this story is because just the way they either they're they deserve a fucking Oscar or I don't know, something really weird happened to them. Cute. That's heartbreaking. I too. know. You should you should watch the Let's Solve Mysteries. It's a good episode as a whole in like in its entirety. They got some really good stories. You can always get me to watch Unsolved Mysteries. I know. Robert stacks the man. <laughs> he's pretty he's pretty cool. Um so the ringing of the bell, the ringing of the three times, and then never ringing again when he said, let's not use the bell anymore. Like, I'm not going to, mm-hmm. that's not a, a, a good, good method. method anymore. Mm-hmm. And it stopped ringing. That means that the entity is definitely intelligent. It's aware of its surroundings and is reacting in real time. Possibly mischievous, though. Very. So it's even um, but isn't mi- aggressive. Okay. Yeah, isn't mischief a sign of demon as opposed to ghost? Not always. Um, Cause only- not ghosts, did, uh, ghosts were haunting, but I didn't think ghosts played games. I have heard stories where people think that it can still be a ghost. Okay. And even a ghost can be pretty malicious. Okay. Um, so it can be confusing if it's a demon or not. Okay. But um, That's fair. I mean, there's other ways to determine that. And I don't know if it's paranormal investigators or people who are like psychic that can really get into that more. But otherwise, I'm not really sure. Totally. Um, when that crosses the line. So anyway... These uh, strange activities did continue, and unfortunately, they kept only harassing Kay the most. Suggesting she was the susceptible one, right? Possibly, yeah. So who knows what a ghost does? Uh, Maybe she's paying more attention to it. Maybe she's just more scared, and so that allows it to to feed into her fear or energy, things like that. One night when she was alone in the bedroom, she heard quarters being dropped into a bowl that was on the dresser. And this bowl was usually is when Jim used after at the end of the night he would put his change in there. Oh, so that is, it's a normal sound. So okay, okay. right, and so when she looked up, she didn't see that Jim was there, but she could literally see the quarters being dropped into the bowl what? from an invisible hand. Like she didn't know where it was coming from. Uh, 
Yeah. That's gross. That's really gross. <laughs> I mean, thanks for the quarters, but what the fuck? I feel like, man, you know, it'd be, I, I just say, you know, it'd be scarier if like thousand dollar bills fell into that bowl. That'd really scare me. <laughs> don't tell me the lottery numbers. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know what I would do with that information. Yeah. Please don't wash the dishes. It's my favorite. I joke because I find the idea of turning around and seeing quarters dropping out of nothingness into a bowl is actually a really scary concept. Yeah. That's awful. I don't know what to cry, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, one afternoon, Kay was watching TV when out of nowhere she heard a popping sound. She turned off the TV to see if she could hear it a lot better and then realized that the noise was coming from the center of the room. Mm-hmm. She could then feel that there was some sort of strong static electricity forming, and it scared her so much that she got up and kind of backed into a corner. She didn't know what was going on. Then the ball, or like rather the electricity that she could feel and a ball forming went up to her face and popped. I don't know if she's trying to describe an orb. All right, boom. (laughs) We're at string game. If there's any mention of an orb, drink. Okay, drink. Drink. I was waiting for it. Oh, Lord. Anyone who's been listening to us long enough knows that I find orbs triggering in the <laughs> makes me want to laugh way. Not makes me angry, but I'm just like, ah. You're so going to anyway. see like the biggest orb of your life one day. One day you're going to do a story that's just nothing but orbs. <laughs> just to, just just orbs. to make me mad. <laughs> yes, I will. <laughs> All right. So an orb, like she heard a popping and like it comes up to her like face. Yeah, exactly. And then it just pops and then disappears. So, again, terrorizing this poor woman. And another day, Kay was cooking when she suddenly felt something tug uh, the back of her blouse twice. And it wasn't until after this incident that it was kind of a breaking point. Um, because, at the you know, not only was it already harassing her specifically, it's, it's like getting physical. Yeah. Yeah, and that's just... Nah, no bueno. No, F that, for sure. Um, so Kay and Jim finally decided it was time to find someone that might know more about what was going on. And they reached out to William Roll, who was a parapsychologist. Hmm? Do you know what that is? I do, actually. Ooh, okay, good. I'm blaming that probably on all the Unsolved Mysteries I have seen. Bam. Mm, mm. Yeah, that's a good show. But if there's anything important that needs to be known about it that our listeners may not know, you should let them know. Okay, I should probably give a quick rundown. So the um, parapsychology is the study of psychic phenomena. This includes extrasensory perception, like ESP. So that would be the ability to gather information um, not using your other five physical senses. Like telekinesis and stuff. Well, sort of. No, ESP is to gather information, but not using your five senses. Telepathy is mind reading, uh, which is like a psychic, I think. Um, Yeah, like a psychic. Precognition is the ability to see into the future. Oh, no, no, no. So telepathy is just... A communication between two people, so mm-hmm. you'll be able to sense something in real time. Mm-hmm. And um, precognition is like being a psychic because they can see in the future. Minority report status. Right. Now, being a clair- uh, like clairvoyance is the most, I think, a most powerful gift, maybe, because it's when a person can see life through time and space, whether that person is now dead, alive, or not even born yet. Um, also, they can see pieces of those people's past, present, and future. So that's kind of... That's a really broad version. I've heard that it can be as simple as can actually just see ghosts. Yeah, that's true, but they, it, but it's more than that. I, I don't know if it would be just a clairvoyant. Okay. 
okay. situation. Um, it also includes uh, psychokinesis, which is telekinesis, and that just means moving objects. But it's like totally psycho. Yeah, but it's <laughs> psycho. <laughs> and then psychometry, which is um, the concept that objects hold energy fields, and some people have the ability to sense that energy and collect information, like a memory or an emotion. Mm-hmm. And that is the grand field of parapsychology. And it is an actual real thing that you can study in some universities, including the University of Edinburgh. Oh, I was hoping you were going to say New Mexico, so I'd be like, let's go back to school. <laughs> let's go back and check out some of this stuff. But you know um, what? I would totally go back to school if I could go to Edinburgh. Again, yeah. Because like, that place is awesome. I wouldn't mind that either. Yeah, that just popped up at some point during my research. I was like, really? I mean, not really. Like, I'm shocked or concerned. It's just kind of cool. Uh, anyway, unfortunately, most mainstream scientists still consider this as pseudoscience. So, you know, however you might want to think about it, it's not widely accepted yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, Despite the controversy, though, the Tatums did feel like they didn't have much of a choice at this point. So enter Dr. William Rawl, the parapsychologist. Uh, Rawl tried to figure out if what they were experiencing were actually ghosts or some sort of psychological manifestation that the Tatums were unwittingly transferring into physical events. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay. So, um, but despite Dr. Rawl's investigation, the Tatums never really got an answer, nor did the activity slow down. Um, in fact, whoa, wait, so so this wasn't a case if he goes investigates and it just like gets all quiet. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, like he couldn't figure it out. And, you know, it was just still terrorizing them, I guess, um, making them very uncomfortable. I, I think during the interview, I don't remember who said it, but they were have like, I, have I not heard of this story before? This is hitting all the things I need. <laughs> I know. I know. It's it's great. But yeah, like I said, I don't remember who said it, but. One of them was like, it doesn't feel like my house anymore, Mm. and it's just, like, really sad. In Mm. fact, while Unsolved Mysteries were filming, the Tatums asked that they don't reveal the actual address because they were actively selling the house. Good for them. Yeah. They're smart. Um, However, they did give them permission to film inside the home. (laughs) So I can only imagine the person who probably bought it is, like, watching the episode. It's like, that's looking. Do you know if the address has since been revealed? Really familiar. Um, Keep in mind, if you can't answer this question, we have to drink. No! I don't think so. I don't okay. think it I hasn't. really want to know. Now, see, the thing is, I'm torn on that. I didn't mean to, like, take you off your story, but as we've mentioned in multiple episodes now, you and me are actively, actively makes it sound like we're, like, super gung-ho. We are house hunting on in a passive way where we want to buy a house, whatever. But one of my number one fears is I don't want to go to a home where people before have, like, a history of it being haunted. Whether yeah. or not it's actually haunted or not even sure if I totally believe in this stuff yet, but I'm scared of the idea of it. But anyway, I feel good for these people because they're like, I want to be able to sell this home and get rid of it. And, yeah. and if if people know it's haunted, they can't. But at the same time, as someone who's trying to buy a home, <laughs> I'm scared of doing it. So I don't know where so you're it's like to feel. torn. You're like, I feel like they should. You know, you always think, why don't they just move? Well, they actually are. And they're trying to do it. But the only way to do it is to not tell people it's haunted. So now you're like, but what if I'm the one buying the house? Well, and as we know from like the Amityville Horror, like if this stuff is real, one thing that we can guarantee is it sometimes affects certain people and not others. Mm -hmm. The people who moved to the Amityville Horror House and lived there for a very long time, nothing bad happened. And so the only hope is that it's going to someone who doesn't care. Yeah, exactly. And so these people were... I don't know, in, in in real estate land, they were pretty quick on this decision because if you do the math, they started 
The activity started in January 1986, but that was five months after they bought the house, so that had to have been in September 1985. And the show aired in 1988. So uh, they probably had already sold the house. No, because I think if, you know, I would assume that the producers probably weren't able to, to air the show until the house was sold because they were allowed to tape inside. So okay, they, no, that's, that's so they, actually a good point. So they still owned I, it. I, I didn't even think about yeah, that. Yeah, so estimating and assuming that it should have been on the market a few months, I'm guessing they were probably there for at least two, maybe closer to three years. And that's pretty quick to just turn around in a house. Absolutely. Um, so you know, I felt like this is very extreme circumstances for anyone to ever do that. Gotta get the fuck out. Yeah, and if it wasn't just to retire... Because that was their plan, then what, why would they be doing this other than the fact that they really felt scared? Um, which, by the way, really pissed me off because I felt so bad for them when I was watching this interview. Like, I wanted to go to that house and kick that ghost's ass. Like, I was pissed <laughs> for them. I don't know why I had this reaction, but I'm like, I need to go there with, like, holy water spray bottles and wear, like, a sage suit and just really offend the hell out of the ghost because it deserves to get the F out. Well, we just needed to send... Shane from yeah. Unsolved because he, he just walk and go, it's your boy, Shane. And, and the ghost is like, no. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> oh, man. So that was mostly the research. Like I said, a lot of it did come from Unsolved, but it did come from other articles. Like they've done one other interview um, for like someone that was writing a book about the paranormal in the area, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So that's where I got most of the information. Now, I did find other information um, not totally related to the Tatums. As it turns out, there was a civil war battle that took place in the large field in Marriott, Atlanta, and that would eventually be turned into housing subdivisions where the Tatums would eventually purchase their home. So, you know, Atlanta itself, the whole history. <laughs> was a field? Yeah, the whole history of Atlanta during the Civil War was actually a really, there's a lot of tragedy. I don't know if you could specifically say that, that was relevant to one single but house. Where they were, though, the battle was, um, it was like a popular battle, I guess. It was called the Battle of Kolb, Kolb Farm. Can't pronounce it. I know. I don't drink. know if the L is take silent. Yeah, so, and that was fought in 1864. It was estimated that around 4,000 soldiers died there. And since then, people who traveled through the area claimed to have seen ghosts heard gunshots and cannons fired, smelling blood. People have even seen what they thought was a Civil War reenactment, only to realize that the whole thing was an apparition after it disappeared. Okay, that's a little <laughs> weird. I just imagine they're like sitting down with their family like, oh, like, check this out. And then they quaint. all disappear. They're like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> I think I'd be like, okay, it's time to like lay off the hooch. I don't know. Um, anyway. Other homeowners have claimed to have seen Confederate or Union soldiers standing in their garden or just walk by. Interesting. Ghost hunters have gone into the area and investigated. Many of them believe that most people are experiencing residual hauntings. Mm -hmm, yeah, yeah. Again, that's when the entity is unaware of the living. Uh, many people believe, though, that residual... Like echoes. Echoes, yeah. Some people believe that they aren't really ghosts, but rather sure. there's a strong level of energy in the area that creates cracks in time, allowing us to see the past replay moments. Um, I don't think this is what was happening with the Tatums. It's a really cool concept, uh, though. Yeah, I definitely think something was going on with them. Uh, there's so many people... 
oh i think there was a story hold on that i have here yeah in october 2007 a man who lived in the same subdivision as the tatums was out driving on the road near his home when he and his teenage son saw a horse and a union cavalry officer appear in front of their headlights the two men just sat in complete awe Uh, watching this rider continue to walk by without even acknowledging that the car almost hit them and then eventually disappear. So this would be classic residual hauntings. Yeah, super weird. But when you mentioned that they can smell the blood, that Mm kind of resonated with me because a few years back I went to Gettysburg. Mm -hmm. And so I think that if we say that Gettysburg was haunted, maybe, maybe I'm not sensitive to it. Maybe I am, who knows, but... Gettysburg actually felt like a very peaceful and pleasant place. Oh. But there was one house on the property that we could tour uh, where you're not allowed to walk into it more than just a few feet because it's roped off. But Mm -hmm. it was a house that was used as like an impromptu field hospital. And they did a lot of like amputations. A lot of people died there. And the wood floor was stained with layers and layers and layers of blood oh god and they said you know and it was a very hot summer day and it smelled (laughs) it smelled rank in there and they said what you're smelling is old decayed blood because in the hottest days the whole house smells like blood and And they didn't do anything about it they were like it's a historic landmark now (gasps) um so that smell when you talked about that that resonated with me but outside of that one house, I actually found Gettysburg to be an incredibly beautiful area. Mm. It, it's actually kind of why I'm fond of of at least the landscape in Pennsylvania. But um, I mean, Pennsylvania's gorgeous, that's yeah. for sure. Anyway, that's my story. Well, that was really good. It touched so many things that matter to me. Non-believers dealing with stuff. They're mm-hmm. emotionally affected by it. They're trying to get the heck out. Yeah. Like, I don't think there was anything they did that... Like I said, that's why this that story, story just really like gravitated, um, made me gravitate towards it because of the situation. It just felt so real and highly recommend watching that episode. I mm, think it's in season one or two. I, I can't remember. Unfortunately, I thought I wrote it down, but I didn't. Anyway, amazing. Just look up Tatum's Poltergeist and you'll find it. Tatum's Poltergeist? Oh, Poltergeist. So they said Poltergeist because there was so much more... Um, physical and sound movements it kind of had the okay. whole gambit of hauntings it wasn't just touch or like the same ghost or anything I'm, like seeing the same moments it was very much a just physical moving sound I, I just think i was taken aback because i think this is the first time we've actually mentioned the word poltergeist on here oh and for oh, most probably. people poltergeist is just synonymous with that one steven spielberg movie but if i could be wrong please correct me poltergeist has to do with physical things being manipulated but mm-hmm. not necessarily the appearance of apparitions so you right. don't see ghosts but you see weird stuff happening things moving falling noise like the bells mm-hmm. like that would describe a poltergeist. no it doesn't i don't think it has to have a physical entity at any point but it definitely has to like touch on seeing things move things and this did happen to her a lot more i didn't mention it but like it was just a common occurrence for mm. things to be misplaced um and whatnot so it it was just pretty relentless i think and that would definitely qualify i think as poltergeisty because a normal i don't know about a normal ghost but it requires a lot of energy for just a single ghost or or something to continue to be that active and that intelligent so yeah i would say for sure poltergeist all right so 
there was one more thing to our game that's not in our rules. Oh. Maybe I should add it to the bottom of that. So we spin the wheel at the beginning, and if it, if you cover that, we drink. And this is 100% a haunted house to me. Right. Especially because I you don't know anything about them experiencing hauntings after they left the house, right? Nothing comes no, up. From what I understand, they didn't. And it they, would. Yeah. If, the, if this got media coverage, they would talk about it. So. Yeah. No, they didn't. And then when they were being interviewed, um, well, like I said, I think they were still living there, but... I don't remember if the book came after they had already moved out. So not their book, but like they were being interviewed for someone else's book, whatever. It didn't seem like they, they were fine. Totally finally were able to relax, retire, Excellent. et cetera. They deserve it. And that's yeah. awesome. But one of the features of our game is wheel at the beginning. But at the end, mm-hmm. especially if it's a location, you have to ask me a question. Yes. We don't know the address, but let's just pretend we did. Let's say it's like 111 something Avenue in Atlanta. <laughs> What are you going to ask me? Would you go there? Fuck no. Okay. <laughs> this one actually got me where really? I would be very worried to go in there. Oh, I, wow. could, I could do maybe the Amblin. I, not Amblin. Amblin. I can't remember. What's the house in Boston? Near Boston? South of Boston? Uh, where the woman axed like a lot of her family members? Borden House. The, the Lizzie Borden House. Lizzie Borden. I'm willing to go to the Lizzie Bourne house. This house, though, if I had known magically the address, not going to it. Mm-hmm. So I would say no. And since it's a no. Wait, you wouldn't go to the Lizzie Borden house? No, I would. Oh, I wouldn't oh, go oh. to this one, though. Oh, okay. I'll go to the Lizzie Borden house. This one, though, bothers me. I'd say straight up I'm not interested if if we knew the address, which means I have to drink. You do have to drink. I'm not fishing for a drink, but we're trying to play the <laughs> rules. You have a smile on your head. Oh, All no. All right, so I'm going to take a shot. And then we're going to take a quick bathroom break and everything like that. And we're going to come back because I have a story. And don't worry for all those of you that know that I I was doing tropical stuff for the last few. We're going back because it's an end of episode encounter. So we'll see you in a few. Be right back. All right, guys. Welcome back. It's time for part two of game episode. Uh, We just got an amazing story from Lily, which was super good and actually did creep me out, which is... Which is quite the feat when Which it comes to this always stuff. always the goal. So I have, and we're going to alien stuff for my end of episode encounter. Counter, counter. But that means you got to spin. I'm going to spin the It's a little bit of a weird episode, so I'm going to be a little bit lenient with what applies and what doesn't. Huh. Okay. Because I already looked through the wheel and I realized that most of it doesn't. So, so go for it and okay. I'll, I'll tell you. Here I go. Mass sightings. <sighs> okay. Are you disappointed? I don't have any stories on my thing about mass sightings. It's hard okay. to explain until I get into it. But I am talking about super common sightings of aliens, but it's not a mass sighting. You know, I'm going to make you drink anyway. Just okay. drink. <laughs> Perfect. Let's do it. So, all right. Gin down the throat. Mm. Holy cow. <clears throat> so, Lily, it's your job to focus on the rules because I'm going to be focused on trying to tell my story not like an idiot. So, great. All right. So for those of you that listen to us regularly, you'll remember this. But if you haven't, a few episodes back, Lily was talking about the zone of silence or the (gasps) zona de silencio in northern Mexico. Mm -hmm. One of the places we absolutely do want to go visit. Yeah. Um, There's a whole lot to it. And, you know, I'm not I'm not redoing any of that at all. I'm not talking about the zone. But there was one specific moment where she talked about some people had encounters with Aliens that she said are called the Nordics. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I know what those are. And she's like, you do? And I'm like, all right. So I didn't even know who they were. 
So today we are going to talk a little bit about this. So I'm familiar with them. Some people out there might not. So today we're doing something a little different. We're going to do an old McDonald type survey of the common types of aliens. Ooh. All right. So theories and ideas surrounding extraterrestrials are far more complicated than most people realize. Your average person, myself for the most part until I started doing this podcast, is included in this. Whether or not they believe in aliens, which is irrelevant, but when they hear the word alien or think about aliens, they think about kind of like a single representation. Okay. Um, For instance, you usually picture a singular concept or what we might call an archetype uh, that embodies what an alien is to them. This image may vary, but in contemporary terms, the most common image, at least for the Western world, is a gray, lanky creature with large heads huge eyes and a creepy disposition about them yeah that's basically my right nightmare a lot of this has to do with media for things like the x files mm-hmm. i mean you and me were mid 30s 35 36 and x files came on when we were kids and it was incredibly scary but it was also super popular because it was a very well done show it was just well done if yeah. you rewatch stuff from the 90s a lot of it has aged poorly, just as it would from any decade. But the X-Files still mostly stands up today. It's just really well made mm-hmm. TV. And they they did have multiple aliens in X-Files, but they definitely pushed the gray alien thing and made them very scary. And I think yeah. a lot of people, this is what aliens are to them. But I would go as far as to say that that... Okay, I burped. Take it <laughs> You're always burping. <laughs> I go as far to say that that is the iconic alien, at least to people nowadays. Yes. Okay. And although this image does represent what most people accept as the alien species, it's not the only one that is talked about as being something that people accept or believe is real. Mm -hmm. There are actually two major species and two lesser reference species. In total, if, if you're talking about UFO stuff and you research it enough... Four will come up. Two all the time and two much less often. (laughs) Okay. So here are some of the most commonly accepted types of aliens that are written about or referenced to encounters, theories, abductions, everything. I should also mention I'm not talking about obviously fictional alien species here either. So things like the xenomorph, you know, from the classic aliens movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not counting stuff like that. Sure. And since I already mentioned them, we're going to get the ball rolling with the species commonly referred to as the greys. As I mentioned earlier, these are the most commonly referenced type when it comes to encounters and sightings, uh, at least within the United States, with almost three-fourths of all cases allegedly being associated with the greys. Ew. So although individual descriptions may vary, most of the typical characteristics are all the same. Their skin is gray and smooth, and their bodies are human-shaped but smaller than ours, and typically very slender, bony even. Their heads are typically much larger than humans, and their eyes are also much, much larger, and described as either being entirely black and hollow or having very large pupils, uncharacteristically large for a human. So some people say they have human-like eyes, but the pupils are massive, or they're just pure black. Other facial features typical of a human, such as ears or a nose, are either much smaller 
or completely absent. Grays are predominantly described as being hairless, often wearing no discernible clothing, and also lacking apparent human-like genitalia. There are even some stories that describe their joints as being different from humans, but this is less common. Mm -hmm. Many stories also describe them as being telepathic, usually using abilities to harmful effect against humans. Essentially, most of the stories you hear about the greys, they're not talking to you. Yeah, they always, I've always heard, um, well, with these kind of abductions, with these creatures, like you mentioned, they tend to communicate telepathically. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, and just it'd be really creepy. And they're not very strong in that sense. No. But they have uh, the power to like immobilize you. So and they don't really have to. Technology. Very amazed. smart. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and one thing, I, I mean, I didn't write it down, but I do want to talk about is so not many people said it, but there were some people who said that they were jointed differently. And to fully huh. explain that, two examples I can think of in the media that explain this was a movie called Arrival, not The Arrival, just a couple years ago with uh, Jeremy Renner and Amy Adams, was it? Amy Adams. It's not that movie. That's called Amy Adams? Was it Amy Adams? Which one's the one that was in Mean Girls? That one's also an Amy, and I always get those two, the names confused. It's not the girl from Mean Girls. I know, but Rachel McAdams, I think is what I'm thinking. (laughs) Yeah. So, wow, was so I don't mean that movie. I, okay. Because th- those were like squid creatures. Amazing. Probably my, one of my favorite representations of this. No, no. This was just called Arrival with Charlie Sheen and it came out in the 90s. And it features gray aliens that like mm-hmm. look like humans, but they like snap their legs back and walk weird. But also the mid 90s Independence Day, which had kind of like bluish aliens and yeah. they had weird jointed and they walked on their feet kind of like weird bent raptors i think the idea of a double jointed or misjointed character is scary to people yeah but it's not that common it's mentioned enough that i wanted to say it but it's not that common everyone agrees that seeing someone snap their legs in a backwards direction it's creepy Mm -hmm. but i think the whole purpose behind people saying it is because it's creepy as opposed to being logical but anyway it did make me want to say so so that was the description how do you see your archetypal alien so I would say very similar to what you were describing. Yeah, I yeah. basically grew up, like you mentioned, with the X-Files. And so I definitely had some sort of like inherent fear mm-hmm. of that they would look like that. Now, there were variations that I always found creepy as well. But more or less that, like instead of them being short, they would be very tall. and, and So do you think they're taller than you? No, not usually. Well... I don't know. I think they can be both. I don't know why. But what when you start thinking about it and it gets you scared, you know, just kind of like if someone starts imagining like a monster, they're scared. Of. So I don't mean you think they are this way, but I mean like when you start getting scared, what are you picturing? Okay, I probably am picturing the shorter ones because I think mm. since I was a child, I always had this fear that like when I turn around in bed and I open my eyes, one will be staring right at my face. So they're really low to the ground. Right, exactly. Sleep paralysis, right? I don't talk about that for the rest of this, but sleep paralysis is a very common abduction story. Right. People don't necessarily say they're on a UFO, but they feel like they get surrounded by aliens. Sometimes the aliens are allegedly walking through walls silently. Oh, hell no. And like people can't move and then they look around and they see aliens come through the walls and surround <laughs> them. Yeah. But so so you're imagining kind of small. Something. Tell me about their heads, their eyes, their skin. Uh, I want to know. Very large heads. Uh, 
dangly, kind of thinner bodies, giant eyes. The pupil is the entirety. So it's a pitch black black eye. Right, exactly. Um, Mouths? Do they have mouths? They have mouths, but they tend to be like a little just... Tiny little thing. Slit, and then a teeny tiny nose. They enough for a tic-tac, that's about it. Basically, um, because they don't really use it, you know, because they're going to be talking to me telepathically, and there's nothing I can do because Mm. I can't even talk because I'm paralyzed. They hairy? No, completely hairless. They gray, or they... What color are they? They're usually a grayish white. Grayish um, white? Okay, very pale, yeah. huh? Yeah, kind of like E.T., but... Anything look. else about the skin that's definitive to you? Because I have I don't to say know if this. I really try to think about it All that right. in depth. I'm just too terrified to really... I mean, so, when I was a kid, I was too terrified to really come up with details. The reason I asked is every time I picture these aliens, when they start getting creepy to me, their skin is always kind of shiny and glistening, kind of like moist. Ew. Yeah, it's gross, <laughs> right? I don't know why. why? And I never read description of that, but whenever I picture the aliens, when, when I was getting scared, and I was trying to imagine a scary alien, they were always just kind of like wet. Oh, and yeah. maybe it's just because I find anything that I have to touch having wet skin is a it's really repulsive disturbing. thing to me. So it's very much a me thing, okay. but no one ever described them as glistening. But glistening. To, me, to me, they always were. That's nasty. All right, so that's that's your scary alien. So yes. let's keep going with them. Okay. The Greys first reach widespread recognition after a 1961 abduction of Barney and Betty Hill in New Hampshire. Mm. Now, I'm not going into details on this. Wait, Be- this sounds familiar. Yeah, I'm not going into details. Okay. It's a very high profile one, only because I have a whole future episode planned for this okay, one. Okay, I think It's I- a big deal. Yeah. Uh, it's also particularly interesting because it was only 1961, and they're an interracial couple, mm-hmm. which I think helped propel it to the mainstream because it I was so it. Yeah. atypical. It's a really good story. Yeah. I want to do a whole episode on it. But anyway, you just need to know there was an abduction, alleged mm-hmm. abduction, and they described their abductors as being the like iconic graves. Right. So <laughs> after this story, numerous hoaxes and copycats would immediately follow continually propelling this image of the aliens as greys into the mainstream. Like, it got super iconic after this. Um, The gray aliens have also now been commonly referenced as the Roswell aliens. Mm -hmm. I'd be shocked if any of you listeners don't know what the Roswell incident is, or at least partially, but it's when a UFO crashed in New Mexico in July of 1947, uh, commonly referred to as a weather balloon crash, et cetera, et cetera. I think those are the official reports that were released. Yeah, yeah, but in the original reports or when people said they saw stuff, bodies were mentioned. Yeah. They were usually just referred to as human-like bodies, and that's all that was said. Some said childlike bodies. Yeah, that was a big trigger word for me because I was like, hell no. Meaning small at the very least. People didn't – what does childlike mean? Big head, small body? Or does it mean they literally look like little babies? I don't know. So that's usually what was talked about. But they now are regularly referred to as being the greys. But that stuff only came about in the 80s. Was that our fucking gate? You should check. So sorry about that. We just heard a crazy loud noise. I was so it's scared. And we needed to go investigate with our super sharp several shots in, uh, you know, wits about us. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> I'm going to count that as hear a loud car passing by. So we have to take a drink. It was definitely not a car. It sounded like it's, someone was banging hard on our security door. And when we, I mean, we immediately got up basically and checked and it didn't look like anyone was out there. Yeah. So 
what the hell? We had to investigate anyway. But I so. mean loud, like aggressive, like the damn police or something. But anyway, so I was talking about the uh, Roswell UFO incident. We had a lot of kids being reported or mm-hmm. ba- bodies and maybe like, but it wasn't until the 80s that several books started purporting that they were these gray type aliens. So now everyone just assumes that they were like gray aliens because they have small bodies, large heads, maybe confused as childlike. But that was not how they were described initially. So it's really important when you talk about the Roswell incident to know that what was reported initially and what mm-hmm. has been retroactively attributed to the Roswell incident. The As years go by, more people who are super into these things, they'll add more information. They might think of it as investigation, but some of it's just attribution of newer material to it that maybe doesn't belong. Okay. So those two, the Roswell and that abduction, are two real-world examples of how the iconic gray alien got popularized in the media. But this image does predate those stories considerably. A novel published last century, or actually now we're in the uh, 21st century, two centuries ago in 1891, titled Media, A Tale of the Future, Mm -hmm. written by Kenneth Follingsby, is the first known case of aliens being described in a similar fashion to the greys. A 1933 sci-fi novel titled The Unknown Danger by Swedish novelist Gustav Sandgren also depicted gray-type aliens, almost identical, except he stated that the gray was because they had very tight, form-fitting gray fabric outfits as opposed to it being their skin. So maybe that's why to you it looks shiny or like some sort of just weird. Okay. But these are good examples of both of them being fiction, but examples that this alien wasn't like, we don't have documentation where the first encounter with this type of alien was supposed to be a real occurrence. They did start in fiction. And I do think that's important to note. I do really like that information. Uh, I think the first time I ever saw that depicted was in the movie Fire in the Sky. Mm Mm-hmm. Where, oh, we're going to talk about oh, that one. Hell yes. Um, well, very briefly, but in a fun way. Yeah, so uh, not trying to step on your toes or anything, no. but that movie totally scared the F out of Phenomenal me. Phenomenal movie. Yeah, when I was a child. And um, yeah, I think it's a. It's also been, if I'm not mistaken, on Unsolved Mysteries as well. It's one of the... Mo- okay, so Fire in the Sky mm-hmm. depicts the abduction of Travis Walton. Uh, it's a movie retelling Mm -hmm. of his abduction which occurred in 1975 uh where i'm gonna do an episode on at some point but the movie fire and sky is phenomenal it's totally worth watching they depicted suits in that they did that's what i mean like that was the first time i've ever Mm -hmm. heard about that concept because well one i was a kid so the whole thing was new to me kind of and yeah they looked weird and i remember thinking they still look terrifying so good, good on them and then he runs into um like at some point he's kind of exploring the ship, not in a fun way, but he's trying to escape and he's confused of where he is. Yeah. And then he runs into what he thought was an alien, but it turns out it's just the skin. Mm. So yeah. Well, the movie star is D.B. Sweeney. He was in one of my favorite cheesy movies from my childhood, The Cutting Edge, about a hockey player has to be a figure skater. <laughs> you can laugh at me all you want, but I grew up with that movie and I love it. Anyway, but it also stars <laughs> the guy who I forget his name, but he he replaced Mulder on the X Files and he also played the T one thousand Terminator too. Oh, he's a great actor. Great actor, great yeah. as well. Um, great movie. I recommend it to everyone. Came out in the early nineties. It's just well done, and you can like it whether or not you believe in aliens or this guy's original sales. So you should watch it. 
Right. I agree. You should so, watch But getting back to it, regardless of their origins, the Greys have typically been depicted as threatening, mm-hmm. unfriendly, antagonistic, and secretive. They're mysterious. They're upsetting. No one tells stories of the Greys that's good. <laughs> right. In general. I'm sure there's someone who does, but the general trend is this is a malicious thing. Yeah. They're not cute. Absolutely. And the majority of abduction stories are associated with the greys. So when I was reading it, they said something like 75% of all American, North American stories about abductions are associated with the greys. And it's about 50%, just shy of 50% in Australia and Europe being associated with the greys. Weird. So that's a big thing. Could it just be media prevalence? Absolutely. But could it just be that, let's just say this is happening, that says something. The Greys have territory over North America. They're like, y'all can have the rest. Bunch of assholes. Yeah, jerks. (laughs) So anyway, we're saying that they are here for selfish reasons. They seem like they're here for their own purpose. They're not here for humanity, like, to help us. They're here for their own things. Yeah. One alternate theory about the Greys, and this is a fun one. It's it's fun to me because it fits into my love of science fiction. Mm -hmm. But one theory is that the Greys are actually humans from the future and it is suggested that their body structure is a result of either genetic manipulation or some sort of natural evolution over a long period of time Mm -hmm. which allowed them to extend beyond the limitations and i'm using quotes when i say that of things like sex regular speech or even just having to eat and so everything that they've modified is to make them more efficient as being successful creatures or space-bound creatures space-bound i think that was the biggest argument that I've, i've heard this theory when I was a kid and I'm like, I don't give a F what they are. They're terrifying. But yeah, so completely they're, they're supposed to be us, but the future. And that's not even a new idea either. No. So HG Wells, one of the greatest science fiction writers of all time, mm-hmm. the man who wrote the time machine, which if you haven't read it, absolutely incredible. phenomenal. It's one of my favorite books. HG uh, Wells is incredible. He wrote this concept in a 1983 novel titled the man of the year million where he described almost to the T what greys were like, saying this is where people would become when we get rid of all our stupid human flaws, Mm -hmm. which is pretty amazing. And you should think about that. So no more boobs? No more boobs, no more genitalia. We are doing (laughs) in vitro fertilization. We don't have to waste our mouths talking or eating. We're all being injected with Soylent Green and ah, everything. The ultimate lazy human. Perfect. <laughs> right? Except we're not fat like we are in Wally. <laughs> we're like super thin and rocking hard. And so. Rocking hard. I think they're pretty dangly, aren't they? I'm just like, saying, as, as a fat guy, I'm like, man, if if peak humanity is like bony and skinny, I'm like, I am. I would be viewed in the future as you're the lowest of low. <laughs> you have failed. I mean, I already think that of myself, so we're, we're along the same lines, me and the Greys. Aw, cute. But now that we have discussed the angry, evil aliens, mm-hmm. we need to discuss the other major alien. And now it's time for us to talk about the Nordics, like uh, yeah. you mentioned. Did I mention um, when Chrissy, you know, my friend, she texted me about the Nordics because she Chrissy, heard me. Chrissy, shout out. Whoa, Chrissy. Uh, yeah, so she mentioned it. Well, she was texting me about it because she heard the episode The Zone of Silence. And she's like, do you remember that scene in Dude, Where's My Car? <laughs> and I was like, I had to really reach down in the memory of what my brain can hold 
And I did remember the Nordics. Or, like, these weird, like... <laughs> there was some similarity, for sure. And, and she's like, I couldn't stop thinking about those. And I was like, well, see, now I can't either. So now when you're talking about it, I'm thinking of those people. Anyway, <laughs> really, really crazy. Well, it's a little hard to take some of this seriously because it's so different than the X-Files alien that we're so used to. Because they are the polar opposite well, of the Well, exactly. Graves. So once you get used to, like, you're like, this is the alien. And then you're like, nope, sorry, there's, like, this other being that's complete opposite. It's really hard to digest. Well, and the reason is because everything about them makes it like they're people, but not people. So the greys, if you saw what people say the greys look like in front of you, you'd be like, that's not a human. Mm -hmm. The Nordics aren't that way, though. So they're supposed to be similar enough to humans that many people who allegedly encounter them often mistake them for being people. Just something about them being different. Mm Mm-hmm. But Nordics are described as being very tall, often around seven feet, which people are seven feet. And that's two meters for you metric friends out there. People are that tall. Not often, but they yeah, are that they, tall. So it's not, it's not abnormally tall. Right. They're supposed to have very fair human type skin. Super white, super very pale, pale yeah. but still within the realm of believable. Believable. <laughs> They're also described as having piercing blue eyes. And blonde hair, often either sandy blonde, not bleach, but blonde hair. Right. And the length of hair does vary, but it's usually described as being shoulder length. Their disposition is described as being affectionate, knowledgeable, watchful, paternal. I even read in one quote, I can't remember specifically where it was, guardian angel-esque. They are never described as threatening or even forceful upon themselves. I feel like that's really just not my personality. I feel like, please stop mothering me. I, ha- <laughs> I have a mother, and she's already doing a good job of that. So you're already <laughs> like, these ones are just as bad as the others. I was like, now they're just... The the fear at level I feel of the small aliens is the annoyance level I have for these people. So, cool, cool. Most accounts of the Nordics are that they are here to nurture our development into a peaceful species. They want to preserve our Earth and keep us from killing each other with war. They're supposed to be more advanced, and they're Mm. further beyond, meaning they've already overcome this stuff, and they're trying to help us along the way. Okay. Now, George Adamski, a controversial ufologist and author, is one of the (laughs) first... Hold on. Is he controversial within the UFO realm? Even Okay, so he's like double controversial. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about that. Cool, (laughs) cool. He's one of the first to publicly describe the Nordic aliens. He claims to have met them as far back as 1952 when he encountered what he called a mothership. Mm -hmm. He described them as having larger foreheads and that their skin was soft like a baby's. He described their appearance as being androgynous and extremely attractive. To be honest, though, his description gets creepy. Okay, sure. Uh, And he sounds like he might be channeling his own sexual issues or feelings or concepts. Is he like fan fictioning like aliens Uh, at this point? Because he states, first quote is, quote, he could easily have passed for an unusually beautiful woman, yet he definitely was a man, end quote. And then later stated, quote, earth women would enjoy having such beautiful hair as this man had, end quote. Mm. I don't know. It just sounded a little weird when he was supposed to go from like super scientific to then he was just like... Very attractive. This dude's super hot. <laughs> yeah, like, he's like, I'm not saying I'm gay, but he was really hot. And and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying. No, like, no, no, but it's 
at, for the 50s, I think that might have been it's the direction. It's very forward with his sexual right. representation exactly. of the in the 50s context. Absolutely. And I think that's important. Um, I don't know how much credit this guy's theories or writings should have, though. And this is why he's super controversial, even amongst ufologists. Mm. Because he claims to have been taken by the Nordics to various planets, which he specifically mentioned oh. Mars and Venus. Oh, he described both areas as being lived in and habitable. And uh, we both know that <laughs> Mars and Venus are not lived in. Uh, They're not habitable. Mars has a potential. Uh, sure. But Venus is there. Nothing lives there. It can't live there. We've landed stuff there. We've seen pictures. It's one of the most inhospitable environments right. on, the planet. On, on the planet. In, <laughs> it, I mean, like, on Earth. very few planets could actually support life without some massive changes. Venus is one. And of them. as far as I know, the only other "quote unquote" planet is actually a moon, who might be able to. Yeah, Earth, host- Mars, and moons—they uh, yeah. have to be terrestrial. They can't be Jovian. They can't. Uh, mm-hmm. They can't be gaseous. Gaseous. We've had this conversation. Damn it! Every time I keep wanting to say gaseous, but anyway, they can't be gaseous. Um, <laughs> but uh, we we look at things like Titan and, yeah. and whatnot. But. Venus is fuck no. And Mercury, though super terrestrial, mm-hmm. its temperature range is <laughs> a joke. Right. Like for, for anyway, anyway. I so know. A, a lot- little off the cuff, but like anyway, just to really, really drive it home is that this guy is clearly not being as honest as he probably should have been. He hasn't been there. And I think in the 50s, they're like, well, we haven't landed on these planets. They still believed life could be on these other planets. Mm-hmm. And just like, yeah. He said this crap. We sure. know it's not true. So we're like, How much has he been lying? Because chances are all of it. A lot. So anyway, I'm not saying this guy needs to be taken seriously. He was just one of the first to put in print the idea of the Nordics. Mm -hmm. So so it's it's just part of the history of it. However, one story featuring the Nordics that is taken very seriously Mm. in the ufologist circles is that President Dwight Eisenhower allegedly (gasps) met them. Yeah, we like Ike. President what? Ike. All right. So I think another I, president, I th- man. A lot of our presidents have really gone off the cuff sometimes. Okay, let's I, I do this. I can't remember if I casually mentioned it just to you or if it was on a previous episode where I just casually mentioned it. But this story, I at first when I read, it, I was like, "Oh, this is just going to be crazy National Enquirer stuff." Mm-hmm. But then I realized it is talked about a lot, and I got a lot of my information from a Washington Post <gasps> article from 2004. Not Whoa. saying it happened, but the point is that this is a super strongly held conspiracy theory. Okay. So take this as a story. Whether or not you want to believe it, that's totally up to you. But just take it as a story that's interesting. Let's let's hear it. I'm so excited. Yay. On February 20th, 1954, President Ike, who was on vacation in Palm Springs, California, abruptly one night, or that night, February 20th, he left the ranch in a hurry. Mm-hmm. Now, it was publicized that what had happened is he had a dental emergency having chipped his tooth on a chicken wing and had to oh. obviously go see a dentist. Damn. Because of the secrecy surrounding anything that has to do with the president, everything they do, you know, you see the Secret Service and all this crazy stuff happens, everything's going to look mysterious, creepy, crazy. You're like, what's going on? Because most people are like, they just have to go to the dentist, but obviously with the president, you have to go through security checks. Well, no, no, they didn't no. Have I, it I on understand. Call. But yeah. I mean, that's important because I think that's where a lot of conspiracy theorists get their fuel. If they see something bizarre happening, they're going to assume 
crazy Mm -hmm. whether or not it was. Okay. But that's up to you. But the next morning, he was back at church for a service in Los Angeles. And the dentist who allegedly helped him out was also there at the service. Hmm. And attention was brought to the dentist saying, this is the guy that helped me. I had a dental emergency. Hoo-ha. Like, all of this. Sure. Okay. Which is kind of, I think, where a lot of the conspiracy theories get their stuff. A dental emergency is not necessarily something you need to make a public statement about. And why would the dentist be called into church to be shown and paraded in front of the public unless you were trying really hard to hide that something else may have happened? It seems a bit Um, over the top. Okay, I don't know where my brain is going. I think I'm stunted. Um, I'm actually willing to believe it's just the damn dentist. (laughs) <laughs> is that weird? No, me too. But if a I lot had of, a dental, oh. especially like he's a public figure. I mean, he's a politician. I know. I don't know. Like nowadays, celebrities and everything, people have to upkeep. But at the time, um, political figures are really important, and appearances Absolutely. was everything still to some level. And I don't think you can just have a chipped tooth and be the president. Apparently, and so yeah. I, I don't see why having this dental emergency wouldn't have been a big deal because it is and also thank the doctor who if he thought he did an amazing job would invite him and being like Mm -hmm. this is a hilarious story like i this is just insane to me and he was able to help me and whatever you're saying is true but at the same time the part of me that isn't a conspiracy theorist but the part of me that does make me wonder is you and me have grown up in a world where the media is super ever present. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about 1954, where the president could disappear for whatever he wants and they don't have to say anything and it's not a big deal. I guess it's just maybe. So I'm, why would they be trying so hard to say, oh, by the way? I don't know. Fun. Maybe I'm projecting because I, I feel like if someone saved the day for me, I'm like, I got to do something for you. Like, let's hang out, you know? To make matters more complicated, for a very short while, the Associated Press released a story that they had to redact and get rid of hours later was that night that President Ike had died of a heart (gasps) attack. And he hadn't. Because what? President Ike lived for another 15 years. No, I know, but I didn't know that that he allegedly died. Within the same night, that story was released and pulled back, and they claim it was a mistake. That it was one of those, you know, previously written stories that it got got released and it shouldn't have. But then they said it was a dental procedure? Well, no, but then the White House official story was a dental procedure. The Associated Press was different. You're like, why would all this weird stuff happen on the same night? This okay, is just, well, see, now you just added another layer. This is just layer. adding the okay. layers of the intrigue. All right, well, here we go. <laughs> All right. Many stories have emerged in the years that followed, some from people who claimed to have been there for what actually happened, according to them. The alternate theory as to what happened was that President Ike left to visit nearby Edwards Air Force Base. There are a shocking number of people, especially in the military, who claim he was there that night. Okay. So part so. of me says he, that it might be a cover-up for something he did. I don't know if this is what it is, but there may have been a military purpose. But anyway. Sure. Allegedly at Edwards Air Force Base, he met with two extraterrestrial creatures that were allegedly both Nordics. Okay. The conversation which, and just, just accept the story as it is, <laughs> the conversation between the president and the Nordics was apparently telepathic. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> right. I, I'm rolling my eyes too. I, I accept get it. this. 
Um, and the conversation was essentially over the nuclear disarmament of the United States. The Nordics offered a technology exchange if the U.S. agreed to denuclearize. denuclearize. President Ike allegedly refused, and the Nordics left. And that was kind of the story. There were people who claimed to have been there, to have seen it. Some people said they could hear the conversation in their heads. Some people said they don't know what was mentioned. But there are a lot of military personnel who allegedly claim President Ike was there. I'm going far enough to believe, I actually believe President Ike may have gone to Edwards Air Force Base for some purpose. Okay. Whether or not aliens were there, that's not for me to decide. I do believe he may have been there, and I believe people may have seen him, and the stories may have warped. So is there any any names or anything like that that came up of the people that reported this? So you said that they were all military, so that I... Not all of them, but most of them are military, yeah. Or I guess most, but people who work in this capacity have to have some sort of clearance or like a job title, yeah. and that is important enough to be around the president. So did any of them reveal their names, or are these just kind of anonymous sources, or what's going on? A lot of them are anonymous. Uh, some of them weren't military. There was even allegedly a preacher there, which is a little weird. Ooh. Um, the preacher's name has come up, but he's also like into paranormal studies and everything. He seems like he's really into this stuff. Okay. Some of the military names have come out. Some of them are kept secret. Th- this story is infinitely more complicated than I'm touching on right now. I'm just trying to explain who the Nordics are, but mm-hmm. there's a lot there. I never read anything where I was like, hmm, this is definitive. And a lot of these stories came out 50 years after. And it's kind of like, well, if you got some guy in his 70s talking yeah, about it, it's like... That's a lot of time to adjust everything. certain facts. Yeah, I guess I can see that. Holy cow, though. That is kind of a wild story. And, it is wild. And then to bring in, like you said, a person that fits a description that already exists to be pretty um, controversial, like mm-hmm. a really tall, pale beautiful uh, specimen, blonde hair, and then helped out the president. Yeah, that's going to raise some eyebrows for sure. Well, and two things that should be mentioned is that uh, of all presidents, President Ike was known by many, especially those close to him, to have been very, very into the idea of aliens and Mm. very much a believer of UFOs and aliens. Which, is that the reason people are attributing these stories to him? Or do you think these stories influenced him if they did happen? I don't know. But of all presidents, he is one of the more outspoken ones in that this is kind of something he believes and accepts. Mm -hmm. Okay. Another thing that extends beyond this is people who really hold on to this theory really believe it they perpetuate a further story that a couple years after his interaction with the nordics ike met up with the grays uh wait who where did this come from this is this is actually just kind of like mass speculation as opposed to specific stories unlike this one edwards air force base Uh, but the people who very much believe he interacted with the nordics also believe that a couple years later he interacted with the grays who had a similar conversation it wasn't about denuclearization though it was about uh the grays said we will give you technology if Mm. you allow us to and they say abduct cows and people uh Okay. <laughs> and it was only allegedly <laughs> that agreed. Is so it's random. so weird. It was um, so weird and that it was only agreed to if the people were agreed to be returned safely. Okay. Well, 
Uh, to me, that sounds like Technically, someone just... Technically, that's the truth, but some people think that they've changed. Anyway. Yeah, so I think that someone just tacking on a bit of information at the end is like, oh, I believe that, and this probably happened. And I'm like... Uh, and then it was totally true. Yeah. I'm going to go say that that's just... There's no stories. There's no specific instances in which this was supposed to happen. It's just people saying allegedly. Okay. But... Most encounters with the Nordics are often described as being peaceful, yet profoundly different enough that they have a lasting impression. Most of the stories seem like they might actually just be Scandinavian people <laughs> with a Batman-like ability to disappear. So we've uh, discussed this before on the Zone yeah, of Silence. That was, that was the big thing, is yeah. that could they actually just be Scandinavian tourists who, in that case, were just very thirsty? Um, in my story. And then in your story, they're just, like, hanging out. I yeah. mean, they have doctors out there, too. And maybe they were, he was working on a military base for some other reason. And, and lo and behold, who yeah. knows? Yeah, no abductions, no creepy stuff. They just tend to be there and to be kind. And so I'm like, okay, maybe they're just people. Ooh, but that's it, though. I heard Nordics are pretty cold. So when there's kind, you're like, what's up, alien? Because this is not true. <laughs> well... The reason I brought up the story earlier that you mentioned with Fire in the Sky about Travis Walton mm -hmm. is how I realized I'm just reading so much of this information that I never realized how much new information I've come to because on the Wikipedia page about the Nordics, mm -hmm. they mentioned that Travis Walton encountered them in the story that influenced Fire in the Sky, which I now know was a complete misappropriation because he didn't. Right. Everything about his story was he would have encountered what we know as the Greys. It was violent. It was oppressive. It was angry. They were short, big heads, lanky. They were very mean to him. Yeah. yeah. And so I just thought it was funny that when I read that on the Wikipedia page, it's like, oh, well, that's wrong. So when I, I love when I come across something on Wikipedia and I was like, oh, no, you didn't. Well, like, who slipped this in there? That's how you know you know just enough about a subject. You're like, oh, damn. <laughs> And so I, I was considering, should I fix this? And so then I even did a couple of Google searches. I'm like, is there something I don't know? Did he have multiple encounters? I never heard of and that. And I found with nothing. Their story. And I'm like, that's wrong. And part of me is like, I think I need to just delete that reference because it's not, does not seem to be accurate. Yeah, because I, I, I've obsessed over his story for so long that I'm not saying I know every single detail. I mean, it's been, it's been a while since I really revisited that story, but when I was younger it was something of interest of mine and Absolutely. so whenever i had a chance to finally look it up and find out more information i was like okay this is terrifying and so like <laughs> that's good and then just stop paying attention but yeah it was it's a really good story and i i cannot wait until you do it so those are the two big aliens that are accepted at this point people who are super into this except that there's a possibility of two major alien races that may or may not be interfering with us, the Greys and, and the, the Nordics. Nordics. But there's two others that do need to be referenced because people talk about them, but they are much less prevalent in, I don't want to use the term mythology, I'm going to say the discussion would okay. be the right term to use. So next up we have the Little Green Men. So <laughs> this one is complicated because... Although most people hear the term little green men and immediately assume people mean aliens, not many UFO encounters are actually depicted as being green. Right. The most common association you have is actually describing the grays, and the only difference being that their skin might have a greenish hue to their skin, meaning they're probably talking about the grays and not a different species. But most depictions of aliens being little green creatures is almost exclusively in overt science fiction. 
pulp magazines and sci-fi novels often wrote aliens as being small creatures, goblin-like, and were often described as Martians, which literally means they're supposed to be from Mars. Right. Aliens from Mars were green according to fiction of the time, suggesting that many examples of old mythological archetypes of demons, goblins, and other things were just being repurposed into modern storytelling techniques. We are very familiar with fiction representing green aliens. One good example they put on the, when I was reading about this online, is the toys, the little plush toys from Toy Story. Talking about the claw oh, above yeah, them. Yeah. We're seeing these like multi-eyed little green aliens, yeah. but no one no one's really said they were abducted by that kind of a creature. We just see it in fiction and in stories. But that doesn't change the fact that if someone says little green men, everyone says aliens. There are a couple references in the news about aliens being little green creatures. One was a 1910 story from Apulia, Italy, in which a green alien allegedly crashed a spaceship and was taken by authorities. Ooh. There's not a lot of information about it. There's a language barrier for sure, but <laughs> apparently there was a crash and a little green person was taken alive by Ooh. authorities. That's going to suck for him. Right? And then... Even earlier, in 1899, an article in the Atlanta Constitution newspaper briefly mentioned a little green alien from a planet called Hura, or Hura? Hura. Yeah. Huh. But the big issue is that both of these stories don't have a lot of information about them. They're kind of like weird hearsay, speculative stories that probably were more fit for a tabloid than they were for actual news reporting stories. Okay. But at the time, these both did describe an alien that was small and green. Another type. Okay. And the last type that gets mentioned enough that I have to talk about it, but still nowhere near as much as the major two or even the little green men, is called the reptilian humanoid. Ooh, yes. So these are described as lizard-skinned, and they're supposed to be very smooth looking. Gross. And they're supposed to be six to eight feet tall, which is very similar to the Nordics in height. So people tend to be scared of higher, taller aliens for sure. Yeah. The two descriptions of these actually split. One is human-like with reptile features. And the other is reptile-like with human features, which is kind of a big description. We think I, can, I can definitely see the two. The way I, I mean, have to imagine in my head is when you think about werewolves, there's the original werewolf that looked like a human that was like really hairy. Just really hairy, yeah. And that's like a human with wolf features. And then you have what we had in An American Werewolf in London, which was mostly just a wolf with some kind of human Just weirdness to it. Yeah. yeah. The problem with this type is that it's also rarely seen just like the little green men. The vast majority of people purporting this type of alien is usually strong within the conspiracy theory realm. So these are talked about more often even than little green men, but never in terms of actual events and stories. You don't have abductions or anything where people said, I was abducted by reptilian people. Mm -hmm. You have it that as you go deeper into the conspiracy theorist realm of strong UFO believers and everything like that, they start to mention some of the most wild outlandish theories, including one, I hate to even just say this because it's so ridiculous. Say it. There is a big group of people online who believe that the entirety of Earth is controlled 
by a reptilian alien race. Yeah, isn't it QAnon who really just... Oh, are... I'm sure they probably do, but I didn't want to talk about it because that gets a little political. No, I know, but I'm just saying, like, I, I've heard of this concept and then they... Yeah, for but sure. But I mean, that's one where they don't actually have facts to back it up. It's just someone says it and the other people get really creeped out and they think, oh... Well, if that's the case, it would explain why my life isn't going the way I want it to. And and then they just go ahead and believe it as opposed to thinking about how humans might actually be dealing with their own crap. So these aliens get really complicated because the more you read about them, it just descends into the conspiracy theory realm. And you can't really find references to actual encounters where you do with the Nordics and the Greys. But it's talked about enough that it should be mentioned as one of the major four alien types mm-hmm. that usually get discussed. But chances are it's, true. it's hogwash. So those are the four types of aliens. I think the big takeaway by me mentioning all this isn't because I'm trying to tell people they should believe this stuff. Because most of the stories I mentioned are pretty outlandish. They're pretty crazy. But it's mostly just to inform that when UFO stuff comes up, it's not as black and white as are they the aliens or not? There's a lot of people who are like, there's multiple aliens. And plus, that could I be think, why UFOs look different to some people and why encounters can be so vastly and different. And there's so many more out there that I've heard of what people described. I mean, there's just a vast majority, kind of like uh, other xenomorphs, you know what I mean? Like the ones that are in alien. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah. I'm not saying like people have seen that alien. Of course. But some creatures that are just very different looking, they're not humanoids they're kind of like a totally own thing um but anyway so that's i guess just uh, a little bit so going forward i'll try to be more specific when i'm talking about aliens when i'm like this seems like it's a Grays encounter or a nordics or something like I that i like that i like that you categorize it we're just getting a little more in depth and that way when you're referencing we're kind of more aware of what they what they're like but i think i'm gonna call the reptile ones dinosaurs from now on got it <laughs> So we got because it's just as believable. Yeah, we got Nordics, Greys, uh, little green boogers, and dinosaurs. Cute, and that's where we're going. So anyway, that was just like my update. So Ta-da. I can't ask you, would you visit there? Because there's no way to visit. But what would be a good question? No, I will never want to get in contact with either t- uh, category of alien. <laughs> Because this was influenced by you discussing the Nords, okay, I would say, how willing are you to go to a place that is known strongly to have interactions with Nordic aliens? Well, I'm okay. The worst thing they can do is give me better teeth, I guess. So, 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 would you be willing to go to like the Zone of Silence to areas that are like this is where we've had oh, yeah. encounters? Totally. Aww. <laughs> what? Oh, because now I can't drink. Yeah, now you don't take a drink. <laughs> I don't take a shot. That's right. All right. Now, if you said a little gray, I'd be like, hail to the no. Well, maybe we should take that. I want you to drink. Oh, well, so we we're going to say the grays because I was talking about them. Would you be willing to go to an area known for gray encounters? F uh, no. All right. Drink time. Okay. Well, let's take a drink. As I'm pouring, how about you sign us off? So that was my end of episode encounter. And that's it for us today. We're glad you were able to join us. We hope you had a really good time. New episodes are posted every Saturday. If you have any specific stories or things that you want us to cover, you should totally hit us up at hotwpodcast at gmail.com. Or through our social media, or which through is, all our social we're pretty medias. active on, I think. We're definitely active on Instagram. Yeah, probably um, the most. Yeah, and so please let us know. We'd be excited to hear what you think or what what you care about or if you really like something we do or 
I mean, if we don't like something we do, then, I mean, you're probably not going to be listening to us. But anyway, <laughs> um, so if you're listening to this to help you deal with your work week hangover or a real life hangover, just remember that the best cure for a hangover is fear. Bye.